0: This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. That was a clip from the movie Sandlot. The 90s put out some good movies, didn't they? You know, picking a movie is a very difficult thing around my house. I I know that people all over the world spend endless hours on Netflix trying to pick a movie only to give up like an hour and a half in and watch nothing at all. You been there? And so as I was picking this movie, I just knew like, you know, Movies say a lot about a person, and so I don't really want you all judging me or nothing. So, you know, I I don't want you knowing that I may or may not watch romantic comedies in my free time. But I just was, I was really perplexed. What movie should I do? So I did what every great pastor would do. I spent endless hours praying to the Lord. Lord, what movie would you have me play? In the middle of my quiet time at 3 a.m., I heard the audible voice. No, I'm just kidding. It's not spiritual at all. I picked the movie Sandlot because my name is Clayton Small. And if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. In fact, I even have the t-shirt that says, you're killing me, Smalls. Unfortunately, my life is a little bit more like Scotty Smalls than I care to admit. Uh, I even played baseball for a season until I was about 14 years old. They put me in left field and I was actually pretty good at it. That is at least until the kids got strong enough to actually hit it to left field. My baseball career slowly started to die out before me. I was literally killing my team's rankings. But in addition to that, baseball was literally killing me. One of the last days I ever played baseball, I remember the biggest kid on the team took his bat and got me right upside the forehead I remember laying flat on my back crying the ugly tears, not just little tears, the ugly tears in front of the other 14-year-olds on my team. And I could see it right before my eyes. The dream of playing professional baseball was going down the drain, and I never picked it up after that. You know, I love this movie because it's a, a movie about a bunch of boys who have to figure out some of life's greatest lessons. The other boy in the clip was Benny the Jet Rodriguez And Benny had a dream of playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers. By the end of the movie, he goes on to play professional baseball. But not before he meets the challenges that life throw our way to the dreams that we have. Uh, as you recall from the movie, uh, the boys hit a, a ball that was signed by some girl named Babe Ruth over the fence. Watch the movie. And, and when they go, they find that there's this beast, a dog, that they have to confront on the other side of their dream of spending the rest of their summer playing baseball. And that's when James Earl Jones steps in, a great actor, and has just some things to say to these boys that say, you know what, sometimes in life when things get chewed up or torn up or ruined or fail or fall apart, we need someone in our lives who comes along and and trades up with us, who gives us something in exchange for the ragged, torn down things in our life. I love this movie because I believe that every single one of us have had dreams. Maybe they were for you when you were a kid on the sandlot. Maybe they're for you, dreams that God has been placing in your heart over the last few years. But some things have come along. Some toxic relationships, some habits, some lifestyles, some things have come along for you that is keeping the dream from feeling like a dream. And as I began to think about this message, I really built it out of the thought and the conviction that God has a dream for your life. But why would the God of the universe, the God who created it all, why would he take time to put a dream on your heart, on yours, different from everyone else, unique in your own way? Why would the God of the universe do that? As I thought about it, one, the obvious reason is that he loves you, he cares about you, and he has big plans for your life but deeper than that I believe it's because God knows that in the anatomy of a dream deep within a dream it's 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 like a seed it's like a seed that's planted inside of the ground it starts as a seed but eventually over time it grows into something people couldn't even begin to see to begin with and in time it produces fruit or a harvest or something good to look at that you never could see when it was beneath the surface I believe God places dreams on our hearts because he knows that it's like a seed planted in the ground and that in time it will grow into something you never imagined or maybe the people around you never even imagined it would become. And I believe that can be true for you. God knows that great dreams give birth to great things in our lives and in the lives of people all around us. You know there are three kind of dreams. The first kind of dream is the dream that you have in the sleep. This is like, you know, your nightmares, your, you know, the the crazy dreams, the one of you running down the street in your underwear, the scary ones of the boogie monster under the bed. We all have dreams. When I was in college, I potlucked for my roommate, walked into my room or closet or whatever you want to call it on the very first day of school, and my roommate was really short. So it was obvious that I was getting the top bunk. And so I climbed up to the top bunk. The top bunk was about two feet from your face. So every night you'd, you'd lay there and you couldn't sit up too hard. And the boys down the hall like to prank. It's college. And they figured out if you stand on a chair in the middle of the hallway, you can lift up the ceiling tile, reach over, and prank the guy on the other side. And so uh, I had a few pitchers of lemonade dumped on me in the middle of my sleep. I may or may not have seen a few fireballs lit on fire throwing over the wall, but that's neither here nor there. And I remember one night I was having a bad dream. And uh, my bad dreams usually have to do with some kind of, you know, nasty rodent or snake or something. And, and I was dreaming about mice, like laying in a pit of mice. And I, oh, this is nasty. I woke up out of the dream. As I'm trying to go back to sleep, I'm laying there and I hear this, Brrr, two feet above my face. Brrr, and I'm like, and I heard the boys down the hall and I just knew, I just knew the biggest prank of the year was coming. So I thought, I'm just going to get them before they get me. So I bust up through the ceiling. And when I bust up through the ceiling, that brr was no prank. It was a mouse and it fell straight in my bed. <laughs> and at 3 a.m. I'm chasing a mouse with a trash can around my room. There are some dreams that you don't want to come real. There are some dreams that you don't want to see come true in your life. Those are the dreams in the night. Maybe you have some crazy dreams nightmares maybe you've had some things in your life that you felt like this wasn't the dream this is my nightmare these are the kind of things that you pray don't come true but often feel like they do if it's not a dream in the night maybe it's a dream during the day maybe you're a daydreamer maybe you dream about becoming filthy rich maybe you dream like the movies I love seeing the movies and they have a big old nice yacht and I'm like oh lord I could have one or two or three of those that'd be fine And you see these things and you begin to think, if only. And and you start having these dreams. What would it be like if I was famous? What would it be like if things in my life were different? If my family looked different? If my job was different? And we start having these dreams in the day. I used to daydream about being the president of the United States. (laughs) I thought it would be cool to fly in his plane, you know. Comes with the turf, right? And I I remember having this dream. But here's the reality. If you take a look at my life, just going to be honest with you. I'm never going to become the president of the United States. I, I, I grew up in a generation that was told, you can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want to be. But the reality is, I cannot be the next president of the United States. There are 372 million people living in America. And over the course of the rest of my lifetime, there will only be about eight to 10 more presidents. And guess what, I won't be one of them. Why? Because my life is not walking in that direction. You see, there are some things to get to the daydream that we have to do to walk in the right direction to get where we're going. These daydreams, these pipe dreams that we have in our life, they're sexy at first, but then life has its way of hitting us. These are the kind of dreams that we pray do happen, but often feel like they don't. The third kind of dream, though, is a dream that I've discovered as I've read in the Bible and spent time with the Lord, a dream that goes deeper than the night. It goes deeper than the day. It goes deeper than the things that have happened to you. And it's a dream that's etched deep on your heart. It's the kind of dream that no matter what happens or no matter what comes your way, you just can't seem to shake it. It seems like it's wired somewhere deeper within. These are the dreams that the Lord gives. In the Bible, you see all kinds of people who at a very young age, the Lord planted a seed inside of their heart. And despite the pits and the prisons and the setbacks of life that they faced, Somehow, in the end, they came out on top. Somehow, despite the fact that all things seemed to go wrong, they ended up where the dream always said they would be. These are the kind of dreams that come true no matter what happens around you. Why? Because God said so. I, I, I think about the verse in the Bible from Acts chapter 2. And basically it says this, that you receive the Spirit when you give your life to Jesus. And the Spirit gives you young men, it says, young men, visions, and old men will dream dreams. Now you can pick which category, young or old, you want to be in today, but the point is this. The point is that God has a dream for your life. And it's not a dream in the night, it's not a dream in the day. It's a dream that gets planted inside of your heart that takes you places you never thought you could go. You know, as I think about this, there are some people in the Bible who had a dream. In fact, it was a dream given to them by the Lord, a dream etched on their heart. We know them as the Israelites in the Old Testament. You maybe heard of them as the Hebrew people back as they were slaves in Egypt. They had this dream of going to what God called the promised land. In other words, God said, I have something good for you ahead. And they dreamed about the day they would go to the promised land. And they finally made it to the promised land. The only problem was it wasn't looking the way that they had hoped or the way they expected. And as they're in the promised land, they're getting overrun by this group of people called the Midianites. The Midianites were so oppressive in nature that everything the Israelites had was being destroyed. Literally, they were fleeing their homes. They thought they were supposed to be living the dream, but literally, they're fleeing their homes to live in the cliffs and the mountains, behind rocks. The the Midianites would come in, and they're so powerful and so forceful that they would take all their food, but not only that, as they traveled through their land, they would literally destroy an entire season of harvest crops. And they would destroy everything they went, their animal, their livestock, everything they had was literally being taken over when they thought they were supposed to be living the dream. That's when they cry out and they say something has got to change. Maybe you've been to a place or a season in your life where you're saying, this is not the dream, something's got to change. So what they do is they do what many of us have done in times of need in our life. They cry out to God, God, please help, something has to change. And God raises up this man named Gideon. We pick up the story in Judges chapter 6 of a man named Gideon who God is going to use in big ways. Chapter 6, verse 7, it says, When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave, uh, gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but... You have not listened to me. Gideon has an objection. He says, pardon me, my Lord, but the Lord is with us. If he's with us, why has all of this stuff happened to us? Where are all his wonders and miracles that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring you up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Have you ever been there? You feel like the dream is right in front of your eyes and then things start to take place and shape out a different direction. And they're going before the Lord and they're saying, "Um, excuse me, this is not what we talked about. Excuse me, this is not the way I wanted things to look. And God says, let me remind you, I've done some great things and I will continue to do great things. You have to hold on to the promise. So what God does is he says, I'm going to deliver the Israelites. And so he calls on Gideon. And Gideon has this choice in his life. He can let the dream killers in his life, the relationships, the habits, the lifestyles, the bad things that have happened. He can let those be dream killers for him. Or he can choose to do all that God has called him to do and be a dream chaser. He has this choice in the moment. So Gideon straps up and he does what the Lord asked him to do. And God asked him to assemble an army. And we continue the story in chapter 7 verse 2. It says, the Lord said to Gideon. You have too many men in your army, said no one ever. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands. Or Israel would boast against me and say, my own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000, check this, 22,000 men left that day. Ladies, don't ever let men tell you they're not afraid. And there were 10,000 men who remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water, and the Lord said to him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. And 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs, and all the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you. And give the Midianites into your hands and let all the others go home. I think this is a great story about a people who are in pursuit of a dream that they know that God has for their life. They face some challenges along the way and they turn to God asking what to do. And as we read the story, I think there are some lessons that we can learn from it. Because what I've discovered is that in the pursuit of the dream, there are some things that we have to let go of along the way to get where we're going. And the first one we learn from the story is this. We have to let go of our unmet expectations. We have to let go of our unmet expectations. Oftentimes we have this idea of the way things will turn out. But when it doesn't, we make the decision and the choice like the Israelites to go our own way and do our own thing. In fact, it says the reason they were in this predicament to begin with, the reason the dream wasn't becoming a reality, because as it says in Judges 6, 6, it says that the Israelites did evil or they chose their own path in the eyes of the Lord. They found themselves in the situation away from the dream because they were walking in the wrong direction. And the Lord really would have said this to us this morning. He says basically this, when you're not walking in the right direction, there are some things that I cannot bless. The dream is over here. The blessings and favor are over here. But when you're walking that direction, I simply cannot bless that. And so he would have us be reminded that sometimes even though dreams happen overnight, it doesn't mean they happen overnight. Let me explain. Just because you might have a dream in the night doesn't mean it happens overnight doesn't mean it always comes quickly. We live in a world where you can get whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want it, with whoever you want it with, as fast as you want it. But that's not how God's dreams for our lives work. You see, I'm gonna be honest, I'm not very patient. If it didn't come out of the microwave or from Texas Roadhouse, it's not dinner. (laughs) Why would I ever step foot in a mall for the rest of my life? When Amazon can have a present sitting on my front porch tomorrow morning when I wake up. You see, we live in a world where you can have it as fast as you want it, but that's not how the dreams work. You see, good things are worth waiting for. You, you know, you have a five-year-old who comes home from their first day of school with their new crush. I'm going to marry them. Laugh, and you like look and you laugh and it's cute. But you would never send your child to go marry them. Why? Because a five-year-old is not ready for the rights and the responsibilities, the privileges, the consequences of that kind of choice. You see, there are some things that they have to learn before they're ready for that. I'm learning this patience thing again and again and again and again and again. And my wife has been pregnant for now 39 weeks. And I am waiting. And I'm still waiting. But see, what I didn't know in the beginning was... um, There were some things, or actually, ladies, you know, a lot of things that I needed to learn before I was ready for that. You see, there have been some things I've learned in the last nine months that are getting me to where I'm going. But not just me. It's not just me. Sometimes we think the dream revolves all around the things that are going on in my life. But it's also the precious baby who has some some things that they need to grow, some physical development that needs to take place before she's even ready to take her first breath. You see, that makes perfect sense. Sometimes in life, the waiting is the hard part. The trusting, the process that it will come is the hard part. It's kind of like this. I'm a proud millennial. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. I, uh, I, when we moved to Houston, uh, we moved into our house, and I wanted to be a good husband. One day my wife was out running errands. I was like, I'm going to go buy flowers and put them all out. You know, Our house was bare. Uh, I'm going to put some flowers out. So I go to Lowe's, and there's a problem. I walk in and there's these for 97 cents. And I walk over here and there's tons of these for $40. And I'm thinking, well, I don't really like that. It's not even pretty. I kind of like this one. So what do I do? I'm a great husband. I went home with about five of those and set them out all around the house. My wife comes home, look at these flowers. They look amazing. I'm like husband of the year. Until three weeks later because of this ridiculous Houston weather. All of them are dead. I'm like, what happened? I watered them. What am I doing wrong? So I went back to Lowe's. I'm faced with the same decision. This or this. So I did it again. And I brought home some plants. And I set them around the house. And um, about a month later, they're all gone. So I went back to Lowe's. And this time, the Lord said, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> and I had one of the most profoundly spiritual encounters at Lowe's. It's funny how God likes to talk to us in the moments we least expect it. And I just was walking through the aisle, and I had this thought come to me in my heart. "It just, Clayton, if you don't have what it takes to turn this into this, then let me tell you something. You don't have what it takes to keep this looking like This, you know, so many times in our life, Lord, I'm ready for the dream right now. I want it. And the Lord says, there are some things you have to learn right here before you're ready for right here. Psalm 27, verse 13 and 14 says, the promise will happen. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, but wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. I love how he puts it in there twice because he knows that some of the men like me in the room need reminding. Wait for the Lord. We have to let go of some of our unmet expectations so that we can have room in our lives to trust the process. It will come. It will happen. The second thing we have to do is this. We have to let go of our past. We have to let go of our past. You see, Gideon is hearing from the Lord who is saying, I'm going to deliver you. The the promise and the blessing is going to come. But um, there are some things you're considering. There are some things that you're thinking about that even if I put you over here, you'd still be thinking like you were right here. And so what Gideon has to do, Gideon comes up and he's like, Lord, you've abandoned us. Lord, you used to do some great things. I used to see miracles in my life. And he begins to complain to God about the way things used to be versus the way things are now. And we learn a very valuable lesson from Gideon in this story. And that is that we have to let go of our past so that we can see where we're going. Philippians chapter 3 says this. says, forget those things which are behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. Forget what lies behind so that you have the room in your life to strain forward. To what lies ahead. You know, um, if we're not careful, our past has a tendency to play rerun. Have you ever watched a bad rerun? Right? You're like, why did I watch that again? It wasn't good the first time. There's nothing worse than having our past experiences that sometimes were harm- harmful, not good the first time. There's nothing worse than having them replay in our lives. And the Lord says, your life is a matter of focus. You have to focus on what lies ahead because if you're focused on the things that are behind you, what are you going to begin to see happen again in your life? The past. It's kind of like this. Your past has a tendency to haunt you. Um, Like I said, ladies, don't let men make you think that they're never afraid of things like the dark. They may have you on their arm and prideful. Yeah, I got this, but... One night I was walking through my house and uh, I, was, I come in, had come in from the garage and I thought no one was home. It was, it was absolutely pitch black in my house and I'm walking down the hallway past the laundry room and all of a sudden I hear this, Whoa! and I freaked out and I pulled out every Kung Fu fighting move I had Whoa! only to realize that I was actually Kung Fu fighting my wife who thought it would be a brilliant idea to hide out in the laundry room And scare me. Now here's the thing. Every time I walk into my house, what am I doing? I'm looking over my back shoulder. I'm just waiting for it to happen again. That was like three years ago, people. You see, what happens when we're focused on our past and we let our past haunt us is it determines the direction that we're going today. And so the Lord says you have to let go of the things that are behind you and strained forward to what lies ahead. And you're like, well, how do I do that when my past was hard? How do I do that? that it was more painful, Clayton, than you thought. I, here's the deal. Here's God's promise to you. When he says, focus on the future, what he's saying is that everything I have in front of you is better than the things that are behind you. You see, it's, it's, you know people who invented cars are kind of like geniuses, okay? Check this out. They put the seats facing the front of the car instead of the back of the car brilliant and so you get in your car and instead of facing out the back window you actually get to look where you're going genius I know right if that's true for a car how much more true for our life and the dreams that God has given us man you're destined to get in a wreck when you're looking out the back window you see actually what they did is they put a rear view mirror up in your windshield Why? So that as you're focused on where you're going, every once in a while you can look up at the things that are coming from your past, the things that are coming behind, so that you're prepared to get where you're going, but you're not focused on where you've been. And the dreams in your life begin to come, to pass. You begin to fulfill the destiny that God has for your life when you let go of the things in your past. The last one is this. We have to let go of the things that are dead in our lives. We have to let go of the things that are dead... And check this, some good things have to go in order to make room for something better. We have some things in our lives that are dead. Think about it. You prune a rose bush. I wouldn't know. I don't have a green thumb, obviously. But I looked it up on the internet. You, pruse, you prune a, ro- a rose bush, and the first ones you start with are the obvious. You cut off the dead ones, the sick ones, or the ugly ones. And you cut it off so that it's out of the way, so the rose bush can grow and take shape into the vision that you have for it. You see, Gideon came and he said, God, I'm gonna do what you call me to do. I got the stream, it's it's gonna happen. And God says, the first thing I wanna do is, I wanna take 22,000 men and I want you to send them home. And Gideon's like, I don't think you understand. There's an army that we're going up against of 135,000 men. And God says, you gotta cut out the dead weight. You see, there were, 22,000 who were full of fear. And God knew something that Gideon didn't know, that just because there was a body in the room didn't mean it was actually gonna do them any good. The dead weight has to go. And so 22,000 men went home that day. And God said, that's, that's not it. There's still more cleaning to do. We gotta let go of some good things. Gideon looks around, he says, well, we're still small, but at least we got 10,300. And God said, you know what? There are some good things around you that you think are good, but actually they're not going to help. You see, there are some men that I want you to weed out of your army. I want you to weed out the ones who get down on their knees and drink up the water like they're craving and thirsty because here's what they don't realize. They're putting themselves in a vulnerable position to be attacked. I want you to take the 300 who are alert and aware and secure and strong and ready for battle. And so that day, 10,000 more men went home. Why? Because sometimes we have to let go of the good things so that we can have something better. Gideon takes his battle, his army into battle and they win against 135,000 men with 300 people. Why? Because the dream will happen when we're willing to let go of the dead weight and when we're willing to let go of the things that sometimes look good the relationships that sometimes feel good, the habits that sometimes are enticing and the lifestyles that sometimes beg for us to come over to the other side. But when we're willing to let go, God is able to do incredible, incredible things. I wanna ask you, um, you know, when I was 15 years old, I went to a camp a lot like the camp you saw in that video. And at 15 years old, I was a lot like Scotty Smalls in that video. I didn't have many friends on the block. I never could imagine doing what I'm doing today. But as a 15-year-old boy, I'll never forget being at this camp and God just dropping a seed inside of my heart of a dream. I was the last kid on the block you'd ever get a, give a mic to. And I remember, you know, through the years, there have been some things that have come along, some ups and some downs, some highs and lows. You wonder if the dream is ever going to begin to happen. But what I've learned along the way is the only thing I can do to get closer to the dream God has for my life is to begin to let go of the things that are keeping me on the wrong side. The things that are keeping me going in the wrong direction. So my challenge to you this morning is this. Is there any area of your life that the Lord is begging you and saying, please, will you listen to me? I'm good-hearted. I love you. I care about you. I have great things in store for you, but will you please just let go of some of the things that are keeping you from your best life? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning and Just as an example for the Lord to speak, I I just want you to hold your hands out in front of you. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. If you'll hold your hands out in front of you, I want you to clench your fists for just a minute. For the sake of your future and your dream, I want you to imagine for just a minute that there's something inside of your hands that you know the Lord needs you to let go of. Maybe it's your past. Maybe it's a hurt. Maybe it's a pain. Maybe it's a friendship or a relationship or a behavior or a habit in your life, you know it's time to let go. And I want you to just imagine with me for just a minute between you and the Lord that you're holding that clenched in your fist. Ask yourself the question, what would happen if I let go of this? When you let go and you turn it over to the Lord, I want you to open your hands. It's an illustration of just the fact that When I refuse to let go, I don't have any room in my hands to receive anything more. We serve a God who loves you and has great plans for your life and all he needs is your open hands to be able to do it. I believe the dream is gonna be fulfilled when we're a people who are willing to surrender to God to do that. I'm gonna pray, God I pray for every person in the room and I ask that you would bless them this morning with the strength to let go of the hard stuff that keeps them from getting where they're going. And Lord, I pray that they would be reminded as they walk out today, no matter how far they feel like they've run, no matter the things that they feel like have happened in their life that holds them back, that they have a dream that was given to them by you. That whether they see it or not or can feel it in the moment, that you have big plans and good things in store for their life. If you're with us this morning, you've never given your life to the Lord, or maybe you've been distant for a while and you, you're saying, It's time to come back. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. To come to the Lord. If that's you this morning, we're not going to call you out or embarrass you. I would just like you to raise your hand. We want to pray for you. If if you want to give your life to the Lord or you want to come back because you're looking for the dream to be fulfilled in your life, would you just slip your hands up? We're going to pray for you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We see your hands. Thank you. We're going to pray this prayer together. If you just say it out loud with me. Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior and I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and that God raised you from the dead. And right now, I confess you as my Lord and as my savior, as the one who forgives me and the one who restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. And I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. We thank you this morning for all you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.